We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palomo with me here today as well. We're going to talk about a number of kind of current topics as we get into the holiday season. It always strikes me, Martin, uh, as a guy who covers football and um, for a living primarily, that as the football season winds down and the basketball season gets started, I covered Ole Miss's season opener on Tuesday night. It always hits me that, oh boy, like Thanksgiving's here. And as we tape this, Thanksgiving is two weeks away, which doesn't seem – every single year I'm this way, Martin. It never it doesn't feel possible because I've been so into this routine that I have with football. And when the football season, the regular season ends on Thanksgiving night, I wake up that next morning and it's – Black Friday and my kids go shopping. It's what we do. We just give the girls money and go, go buy your own gifts, bring them home, wrap them, put them under the tree. My wife wants to put the tree up. There's all this stuff that goes on. And for me, it's always this like culture shock of, oh my God, it's the holidays. And I, cause I'm, I'm never, I'm so, I know this sounds insane. I'm so locked into football season with, I have Sunday, I do 10 thoughts and Monday I have a, a press conference. And then Tuesday I have a media opportunity, and then on Wednesday I'm working on picks and this and Thursday. You know what I mean? It's just yep. on and on, and, and, and you look up, and it's like, okay, well, that season's over. All right, now what? And it, I'm, I kind of feel that coming, and I know that means that the uh, the holidays have arrived. I know you've been busy the last couple of weeks, so it's good to yep. uh, good to be back uh, with you here on uh, Mind of My Money. How are you? Indeed, man. It's been uh, – it has been a busy – uh, last last few weeks, man, and I had so last Thursday, which I totally failed to communicate to you until <laughs> you know, as right before I was leaving, I was on a I went on a men's retreat with my men's group. Um, you know, from the from the Jackson area, we went to um to the Smoky Mountains to Hi- we were in uh, Highlands, North Carolina. I've never been there before. Um, and man, I had zero cell service for the entire weekend and it was uh it was actually pretty fantastic to be forced to be totally disconnected and we went hiking and 
you know, we had our, we had our, um, you know, sessions where we did deep dives into, you know, into our stuff and into, you know, talking about what's going on, like who we are, authenticity, things like that. And, um, but we, you know, but we had some adventure, we had some play, um, you know, we got spiritual vitamins pressed in there and man, I, uh, I really, I really needed, uh, I really needed that, man. It was, it was nice. And, you know, and if someone would have wanted to get in touch with me, they, they couldn't, which was, which was kind of, uh, you know, nice to be totally disconnected. So the house that we were in or the little cabin or whatever did have a landline for, you know, for an emergency, but I had zero cell service and it was awesome. Uh, so man, I got my batteries a little bit recharged. Um, got some spiritual batteries recharged, which was, which is always a good thing. And, uh, so man, it's kind of, it's nice to be back. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Have you ever been on any like men's retreats or anything like that? I know some of the, and I, they're not all the same, so I can't be like, Oh, if you've been to one, you've been to been on one, you've been on, on tons. But, uh, have you ever, have you ever done anything like that? I have by not. Chance? I have not. It probably would be a good thing for someone like me. Um, I'm so, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, a, so it's two things, right? One is I, I have developed, it's weird. I say this and I was in Fayetteville last weekend with my family and I talked to a lot of people and I was perfectly fine. Uh, I actually enjoyed it. Met a lot yeah. of people, talked to a lot of people, but I, I feel like I've sort of developed a social anxiety disorder over the last several years. Um, last five years specifically. Um, and then when it comes to things like talking about faith and stuff, I just get super private about it. And I don't know why. And I know that I know that people say that's not how you're supposed to be. And I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying it's how I am. So I would, that would be a, a really uncomfortable thing for me. And yet I know that growth comes from discomfort. And um, I don't know, Martin. It's a, it's a complicated question you just threw yeah. at me. We could spend a lot of time talking about it. But I want to get to some other things. But no, I haven't. It yeah. probably and would I, be, it probably would benefit me. Sorry, go ahead. It probably, probably. would benefit me. Yeah, I mean it's 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 been a they've been great for me. And I'll say this too. So like our group is not necessarily like a faith based or like a um, you know denominated you know oh this is Christian dudes only. It's like there are guys from different walks of life that are that are in our group. And like I and and I know I'm diving into something that is sort of on topic, but off topic or on topic of what we're talking about, but like, you know, I think spirituality and religious practice, uh, can be separate too. And anyway, so I just come out of there with a lot of, with like more gratitude, uh, cause I have time to actually kind of sit down and go, okay, you know, I have a lot to be grateful for. There's, you know, and, and I don't do that day to day basis, you know, sit down and kind of think about, you know, what are all the th- things that I'm grateful for? And they're, and they're not materialistic, like, you know, good relationship with my kids, uh, a good relationship with my wife. And we went through, you know, some really big struggles in the last couple of years. I know she was on, gosh, probably what, two years ago telling her story, um, you know, and uh, so you have a little bit of gratitude, come back recharged, man. And it wasn't a, you know, we didn't go read the Bible or anything like that. We, um, it was, it was really about not thinking about self. That was really kind of the theme of the weekend. And, and it's funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take just uh, a few, uh, a few more seconds if you, if you give it, if you give it to me. But there was a, there was a a car that we drove by as we were pulling in, and it had it was an Infinity, 
and it had a sticker on the back of it and it was a red sticker and it had like a, a Buddha, you know, um, like with his legs crossed and all that stuff, all that stuff. And it said, let that shit go. And that was kind of our, <laughs> that was our theme for the weekend was let that shit go. Uh, and it was just funny how that happened, man. We pull up to the grocery store that was, and I, I took a picture of it cause I was like, that is, that is too, too awesome that, that that's the first thing I see pulling into to Highlands. And that was kind of the theme of the weekend was let that shit go. Anyway, I'll di- I've digressed, man. I'm sorry. I hijacked the beginning of our show. I know we have inflation and, uh, other things to talk about. So, so let's, we can get cranked up, man. Yeah, let's go there. There's a lot of talk about inflation, about this being a historic inflation. In fact, um, I was looking for a story here. I found a couple of opinion type pieces that may, yeah. Um, this is the uh, editorial board of um, the Wall Street Journal. It's a, it basically says, inflation and building back worse. Joe Manchin has ample reason to kill spending that is harming workers. Again, this is an opinion piece, but it does have some numbers in it that I want to get your thoughts on. It says, for something we're told is transitory, inflation sure is persistent. The latest evidence arrived with a jolt Wednesday when the Labor Department reported that consumer prices jumped 0.9% in October or 6.2% from a year ago, the fifth straight month higher than 5%. That's also the fastest rate since 1990, despite reassurances since March from the White House, Federal Reserve, and Keynesian economist that inflation would soon vanish. It follows Tuesday's report that wholesale prices rose 0.6% in October, or 8.6% from a year earlier. Producer prices flow into consumer prices, assuming businesses believe they have enough market power. That's not all the bad news. In a separate report Wednesday, the Labor Department said, average hourly earnings after inflation fell 0.5% in the month. Real wages are down 2.2% since January. American purchasing power has declined And the average standard of living has fallen, despite unheard of levels of government spending. Or we should just say because of that spending. It's important to understand that the current burst of inflation isn't an accident, like getting hit by a reckless driver. This is the result, the Wall Street Journal opines, of reckless policy. We'll read one more paragraph to you. Congress and the White House flooded the economy with $1.9 trillion in new spending, trillion with a T in March after about four trillion with a T in COVID relief in 2020. The goal was to goose economic demand, though the economy was recovering smartly by summer 2020. That needless demand stimulus has coincided with Biden policies that squeeze the supply of goods and services. This is the cause of the famous supply demand mismatch. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm, I, I got some questions. First of all, yeah. I want to tell everybody that you have nothing to worry about as long as you make less than $400,000. This will not impact you, right? Oh, wait. No. Wait, but it does. <laughs> but it but it does. Inflation murders the middle class, man. Um, and it, it destroys the lower class. We, we went to Fayetteville last weekend. I'm not getting into football. I promise I'm not getting into any of that. But as we were driving back on uh, Sunday, we're driving back through – um, northwest Arkansas and down all the way into Little Rock and then we went to Brinkley, Arkansas and then we went through the Delta back to Batesville, Mississippi, Batesville to Oxford. That's our path. 
Yep. And we were noticing um, gas prices. Yep. And it's, I filled up my truck. I have a Ford F-150, courtesy of Clark Ford, 662-257-1900 that number. Call Clark Ford, get a quote. Um, courtesy of Clark Ford, I uh, have a, 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 a F-150, and I filled it up in um, – I can't remember where, somewhere around Conway, maybe Conway, Arkansas. I was down to very little left, and I timed it that way. We stopped in Conway, and I filled up my my truck, and it was ninety nine dollars. Man, and so, so what was the what was the price per gallon in Conway? Was it like three? Yeah, it was like. Well, how many? Do you have the twenty two gallon tank? I have or? the big thirty gallon tank. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm I hate the I hate the environment, you know. Um, it was like. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, dude. I just that's going to be really annoying when someone. I just literally spit wa- my water when you said I hate the environment. Yeah, you know people. Oh, like, uh, that's probably going to be annoying to hear. People, people like, listen to this. People like me, we just we don't we don't like the environment. That's why we <laughs> big, that's why we drive big trucks. Um, oh man! It, so it was like I don't know three ten a gallon somewhere in there. Okay, uh, and, and okay. everywhere it was three oh seven to three oh three to three eleven, and I kept thinking about and I told Laura I was like you know. And don't get me wrong, I'm not Mr. Moneybags. I'm I'm not in the four hundred thousand and up category, but we've done well. And um we're fortunate, we're blessed. All those things. But I kept thinking about the guy who works at a factory or a Winchester plant here in Oxford or something, where he or she has a set wage. That's your hourly wage, and you work a certain number of hours a week, and that's your money. Well, when gas prices go up from $2 a gallon to $3 a gallon and you got to drive to get to and from work, that is a tax. That mm-hmm. is, you are getting hit. And a lot of those people are month to month. I mean, to some to some, some extent we all are, right? But, but they're, they're month to month completely. And this is brutal. What's happening from an inflation standpoint is brutal to them. I mean, it is it is. It is it is bad. I mean, here's a story right here, and I'm I'm going to hand it to you. But this is a a a news story. There's no no opinion here. U.S. inflation hits 31 year high. The core index was up 4.6 percent as as pandemic related supply shortages, strong consumer demand continues. And I was talking to a friend in Fayetteville. I won't say his name, but he's a really smart guy probably up there with you in the smartness scale, a lot smarter than me. And he works in an industry that is very cognizant of the supply chain. And he said, man, wait till you see January. And I said, what happens in January? He says, it's going to get really bad talking about this uh, vaccine mandate on truckers. If it, if it holds, when the truckers walk off the job, and he thought yep. somewhere around 30% or more would, he said, think about what that means. If there are 30% fewer trucks on the highways, that's that percentage of goods not getting into the grocery stores and other stores. He said, you will see people standing in line for food in America in normal places in January. And so when people tell me, hey, it's always funny to me, Martin, that the, the, the people, when, when a Republican's in office and prices go up, they're like, I don't know how anybody's going to pay for this. And yet when a Democrat's in office, the same people, Martin, the same people say, 
oh, well, I mean, the economy's never been better. And so I wonder, well, when you're standing in line for food, because the supply chain's out of sight and food prices are off the chart because that's how supply-demand works, and you don't have extra money and you're having to pay for more gas to get there, are you still going to feel that way? Because I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm really worried about what's coming in 2020, 2022. I, I, I cede the floor now. I apologize. Go ahead. No, I mean, I mean, and those, and I've been, I was writing down figures and stuff while you were, you were talking to. And, um, so I'll, 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 I'll preface by saying, you know, yeah, it's been, it has been 30 years since we've seen, you know, inflation numbers year over year inflation numbers, um, you know, like this. And so, and, and now you're at a point to where you can't really say, you know, this was from pandemic lows, right? Because, you know, October of last year, um, you know, while the whole country wasn't completely back up and running yet, you can't say that, you know, it's just off of pandemic lows. So, so there is, there is inflation. I mean, you definitely see it, um, you know, at the, at the pumps, at the grocery stores, uh, you know, and I, I had a, I had a person on my Facebook page. I can't remember who it was, but they had taken a picture on November 5th of last year. They were at a, at a Walmart, uh, one of the gas stations and they took a picture of, you know, the gas price. And they said very sarcastically, I can't wait for, you know, November 5th next year to roll around. So this pops up in my memory so we can see where gas prices are. And it was like at a dollar 57, um, you know, last year. And of course, you know, now, just like you said, gas is somewhere in the three to three thirty range, depending on, you know, where you are and, and where you're filling up. And, you know, oil prices have moved significantly from last year to this year. And I'm not going to say all of that is the, you know, the mean oil energy sector. Uh, a lot of that has happened because we are not producing domestically. Um, we are totally dependent on, on importing oil. And so we are one of the larger uh, users of petroleum in the world. Uh, so when we are having to depend on it from OPEC, just like everyone else, and there's, you know, not much supply coming out, even though we have the capacity to do it, you know, domestically, you know, those things are going to drive oil prices up. So, uh, that is a very politically driven agenda there. Um, you know, I'm not, and this isn't by no means saying that, you know, Trump was a saint because, you know, that's, that is not true at all. Um, but Trump was a businessman and he did look at things from, you know, what was good for America from an economic standpoint, you know, a lot of his other stuff that he did, um, you know, I've realized there's, uh, there's lots of faults with that dude. Uh, but you know, he understood what the impacts would be to, you know, middle-class America, even to, you know, to the lower class. And, you know, I know he gets accused of being a, uh, narcissistic, you know, selfish, self-centered dude, but, um, you know, we kind of look at, at what he did for our economy uh, and, or what his administration, what happened to our economy during his administration. And it was, it was all positive. We were moving in a positive direction. We were getting less dependent on foreign countries for, for oil, for a lot of things. I mean, I even remember, 
um, I guess, very beginning of the pandemic when there was the shortage on acetaminophen because all of the world's acetaminophen was produced or is produced in China. And he was saying, well, we used to be a huge producer of this in Puerto Rico. And now there's those, you know, those facilities are, are empty sitting there doing nothing. Um, and we need to bring manufacturing and production back into America. And I think that is the long-term fix for, you know, for things like this, but there's no, there is no short-term, you know, quick fix to what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. There's no painless um, recovery right from this, correct? I mean, we're, we're going to have pain. Yeah, we are going to have, I mean, we're going to have some pain. I mean, because the um, president, the Martin, Fed, the, the president yesterday, as we taped this on Thursday, he talked about, hey, I've talked to Walmart and I've talked to Target. And yes, I'm making fun of the president. Um, you know, and, and we, we've saved Christmas. Oh, if, c- cool. So what about how, after? How did we save Christmas? I, I'm, I, I'm not sure. He's, he's talked to Walmart and he's talked to Target and the, and, the, and the stores are going to be stocked, he said. Despite the fact that people who go into those stores will tell you that the, 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 the supply chain crunch has hit those stores. It's hit everywhere. Prices are yeah. up. Uh, Amazon, between, between that and, and it's, it's the whole Vax mandate is impacting so many places, so many areas. Amazon delivery people. It's going to hit the mail. I mean, if if the mandate, and I think they're going to push the mandate to January because they have to. Apparently, the virus can't get you in November and December because that's the holiday season, but it can get you in January. It just remains the smartest damn virus that's ever lived. Um, uh, it is. I mean, it's it's persisted. But you know, you know, but there's there's no there's no path out of this without pain, and 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 the damage that gets done. See, I, I have a theory. We haven't talked since the November elections. I don't think. Uh, we have not. Um, I have a theory that instead of reading the room, which is what I think the hand raised guy in the room would say, "Hey, let's read the room here. Maybe we're going too hard. Maybe, maybe we should back off a little. Maybe we should cool it. Maybe we should run towards the center a little bit," which is what people typically do um, around the midterm. I don't think that's what the Not Democrats are going to do. I think they're going to say, "Okay, we have they're one double down. We have one year of guaranteed power. Let's go sprint." Because I think they want to fundamentally change the country. So here's my question. It's a question that a lot of people have. Yep. What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my 401k? What does this mean for my retirement? Uh, funds. What does this mean for my future? What does this mean for my children's future as they get out of college and look for jobs? U.S. stocks fell on Wednesday after data showing that inflation hit a three-decade high added to investors' concerns about price pressures in the global economy. Shares of technology and other fast-growing companies lagged behind the broader market as rising bond yields, yields threatened the value of far-off earnings. Put that, and I know I'm throwing this at you in in short period of time. The S and P 500 dropped 38.54 points, a second down day after an eight session streak of record closes. Yeah. The uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 240.4 points. The uh, tech heavy Nasdaq Composite declined 263.84 points to this inflation news. 
What does this mean for my money? What is when, so when you're sitting down with your clients and they say, I'm concerned about this. I've, I've worked, I'm in my fifties. I've worked 30 years. I've busted my ass. I've, I've put money back. I've saved. I'm, 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 I'm suddenly worried about what this means to my retirement. What, what do you tell them? Yeah. Um, I, I, the same thing that I say to all of our clients, which is, you know, a one day, a one day shock. And, and really, if we're being totally honest, I'm going to totally desensitize what happened yesterday because it was not, it wasn't even a market mover. Um, I mean, I know it was, it was 240 points on the Dow, but 240 points on the Dow is like 0.3%. Okay. So it wasn't a huge, you know, it wasn't a huge, um, you know, event. It was shocking, you know, for news wise. I mean, shocking meaning like the news made it sound, you know, like, again, if it bleeds, it leads. Sure, Um, sure. But, you know, our clients who are are people who are approaching retirement, um, you know, should really have a, a really balanced portfolio. A mix of stocks, a mix of bond, probably have some hedges in there because of uncertainty. We have hedges in all of our portfolios. Um, you know, and and things like this shouldn't keep people up at night, you know, wondering what's going to happen, uh, you know, next. If you have a if you have a, a a portfolio that matches your appetite for risk and your, you know, how long you have till retirement, things like this are going to happen. There's going to be things that happen that are totally out of our control, but that doesn't mean that we, you know, sell everything and get out of the markets. Cause I'll tell you, you know, a lot of people start having that, Oh my gosh, I should, you know, cash in and go to cash. Um, let me, let's just talk about that for, for a second too. So, you know, you said inflation, your number that you read, which is true. Um, you know, CPI is up 6.2% year over year. And, and, and that's not a long, that's not going to stay like that long term. So, well, pause button, and I'm going to finish my statement. So, one of the one of the jobs of the Fed is to keep an inflation within a target range, which they generally try to keep it at two to two and a half percent long term. Since 2009, we've had literally no, like zero, inflation, you know, core inflation in the markets. It has been very, 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 very low. So we've been running under the target for you know for more than a decade. So if it's just simple math, if there's a reversion back to a mean, right? So if the mean or the average is, you know, let's just say it's two and a half and we've been, or let's just say it's two for easy math. It's been, if it's been two and we've been running at one for 10 years in order to get the long-term average to two, we need to run at three for 10 years, or we can run at a little bit higher rate, you know, at like a six for a couple of years. And, and although that's not going to, that will not be the case. We will not have, you know, three to five years of, of a five to 6% inflation. The fed will just move rates and, and check inflation back down. That's the tool that they have. Um, you know, there has to be some type of reversion back to the mean. So one of the reasons you saw the tech stocks dip so much is because tech stops, tech stocks and growth companies, um, are so dependent on, you know, low cost of capital and low interest rates to continue to grow their company that if the fear of interest rates rising starts happening, that starts chipping into their, you know, to their profits uh, long term. So that's why you see, 
you know, anytime there's the, there's a scare about inflation or rates going up, tech companies are always going to be the first or growth companies, tech or growth, which tech are growth companies are going to be the first to, to fall and fall the most dramatically. But then if you look at things like, you know, financials, so banks or materials. So all of the stuff that we're saying is so expensive now, um, you know, you can, you can invest in those things. So there's, there's really good, there's good markets to buy certain things in. Um, I guess I'm saying there's no such thing as a, you know, an awful market. If you've got a, you know, a good investment advisor who's helping you figure things out, you can kind of mute some of the blows of the things that happen in the broad economy. There might be a, a better time to own banks and material stocks than on Facebook and Apple, uh, which if we have high, you know, high interest rates, high inflation, it, you rather own the banks and the materials uh, than own the Apples and the Facebooks and, you know, all of the, the Googles and the whatnot. And then there'll be a time like the last decade where growth companies are just going to outperform, you know, those, those value type stocks that are the financials and the materials. And it's just knowing when to go overweight or underweight in those sectors. And for most people, you know, individuals that are not investment professionals, I just spoke Greek to them. And, but that's why having a good investment advisor to think about those things and help, you know, make the adjustments in the portfolio is good. So it's absolutely why people should go to, it's absolutely why people should call people like you at, at Pinnacle and, and say, Hey, I need to sit down and talk to you about, about my finances, about my retirement plan, about my portfolio. And it's, it's exactly why you should, unless you are one of the absolute super rare people who are super good at managing your own finances and the market and all of those things, those people are out there and they're out there. There aren't many, (laughs) <laughs> the the other ninety nine point nine percent or so probably well, dude, should, and I'll should, tell you what, what use happens a, a lot too, Neil is you know we'll get people that'll come in and talk to us and uh, you know they'll say things like you know I'm really really conservative um, you know I don't want uh, you know I don't want to lose what I've got I don't want to risk my money and then we look at their portfolio and I'm like holy crap like your portfolio does not match what you just told me. It's like, it's like you telling me, Hey, I really like, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed girls. Those are the ones that are really attractive to me. And then I look at your wife and she's like, you know, dark hair and dark eyes. I'm like, dude, uh, you're, you're, you ain't eating what you're cooking, you know? And, uh, and so a lot of times people just don't know and they don't know what they have in their portfolios, you know, and even they'll have some people say, Oh, I can't, I I don't want stocks in my portfolio because I can't take the risk. Well, there are, there are stocks that you can put in your portfolio that don't, you know, fluctuate a ton that pay great dividends and you need that for income and retirement. So, you know, when people say I don't want risk, because I mean, I could build you a hundred percent bond portfolio that is, you know, balls to the wall risky and more risky than a stock portfolio I can build you. So it's like, you know, I think people just automatically go, oh my gosh, stocks are really, really dangerous and bonds are really, really safe. Well, let me tell you what happens if you have a portfolio full of just regular plain Jane vanilla bonds right now. You know, interest rates are going to rise. They have to, they're going to, they're going to rise. And we thought it might be end of uh, 22 or end of or beginning of 23 when Jay Powell starts rising, raising the interest rates, depending on what inflation does. It, I mean, that could come, you know, late third quarter 
of, of 22. And so what happens there is as interest rates go up, it's just like the, the little seesaw when you're a little kid. Interest rates go up, one kid goes up, the other kid goes down. So that other kid is price. So as interest rates are rising, price is coming down. So that means, you know, you have a portfolio that is losing value. And there are ways that we manage around that. But if you're just say, hey, I need something safe, I'm piling all of my money into, you know, U.S. government bonds. Well, you've just locked yourself into an illiquid portfolio because if you're not going to sell it uh, because prices are down, then you're going to hold it till maturity. And if you bought a 10-year, you know, U.S. Treasury bond, then you've got a, You've got an illiquid 10% bond that's paying you 1.5%. And we just said inflation, if inflation's at three and your income is 1.5, not only are you losing money on price, but you've lost money on the income piece as well. Because if everything is rising by 3% and you're only making 1.5%, you have a real return of negative 1.5. And bonds can lose money. And, and purchasing power is a, you know, is a purchasing power risk is a real thing. So it's, man, it's times like these when, and, and people don't, people that are listening to our show, they don't have to come to us. You know, if they've got someone they trust, they work with just, they need to go to that, to that person and be like, Hey, am I okay? Do, are we diversified? Are we balanced? You know, does my, does the way my portfolio look match my appetite for risk and, you know, the amount of time that I have to either, you know, to the event happens, whether it's retirement or, you know, you might have a bucket of money for college for the kiddos or, you know, trying to purchase a business or a house or something like that. It's just now is a real good time to kind of look at everything and go, am I in good shape? And, you know, and if you've got time, you know, if you've got more than 10 years, the answer is, is inevitably going to be, yes, you are in good shape because you got time. But if you're, you know, five years from retirement, it's uh it's probably good to you know to look at those things and make sure that that everything looks right and i mean it's uh that's not a, a a you know try to invoke fear and scare people that's just that's just honest truth it's just like the doctor man you don't you know if you really care about your physical health and you've got chest pains you go to the doctor right you don't wait around and go ah oh, well i just go to know, web, maybe web maybe and- next year i'll Web I won't MD. have chest pains. I just go to WebMD and it tells me. That. <laughs> well, you know what? You're, that's <laughs> there's probably there's probably people out there that go to WebMD WebMD for their investment portfolio. That's uh, possible. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, and there's some things that you know, uh, like we talked about the inflation piece. You know, I've had a lot of calls. I say a lot of calls. I've had a few calls recently asking about, hey, man, should I be buying gold? You know, or precious metals in yeah. my, in my portfolio. Cause historically they've been really good, you know, inflation hedges. And, you know, my short answer to the question is, I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt to have a little bit in there, but, um, you, but you know, gold is gold has, uh, has kind of with, with, with the onset of crypto, you know, it, gold by itself has, uh, has kind of lost a little bit of its, uh, you know, its impact into the way that it used to do things. Because I mean, you know, the inflation number is up six point two percent, and I mean, gold is up for the past five months, but gold has traded in a range of a thousand to nineteen hundred for the last decade. And um, I just don't know, and I may be wrong, and there may be a specialist out there that says, Martin, you're an idiot, and here's how I'm going to tell you why. But I just haven't seen that, 
the precious metals have had the same impact that they used to have. And I think crypto has, you know, with Bitcoin being quote unquote digital gold, you know, it's like there's a generation of people who buy the physical gold and there's a generation of people who are buying the digital gold. So it's kind of diminished a little bit of the impact and effects. All right. You brought up crypto. I'm going to read you some crypto. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a hard left at Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah we are because I, I had a question in my mailbag the other day. It was like, um, hey, how, you know, how invested are you into crypto? And I, I admitted it. Crypto keeps coming up because my daughter Campbell, who's 20, she called the other day. And now I've already said, Campbell, you, we, we, I'm, I can't be your person because I'm an idiot. You've, you got to go to a financial person. She's got a financial person here in town that uh, she uses who's been great because Campbell, Campbell's a little, she's a hustler. She makes some money, putting some money back. She's smart. Good, dude. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I wish I'd done that at 20. I look at my kids. I know, at, me too. I look at my kids at 20 and 18 and think, you know, they're girls, and I'm convinced women are the superior sex when it comes to maturing quickly. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's just uh, I think so my much. brain is still developing. Yeah, well, my, my brain's gone. Like My brain had a development phase, and then it just quit. It just, like, it just <laughs> stopped. Um, but my, my kids are responsible and, and uh, you know, all that stuff. Hustle, they get it. Anyway, she's like, how much, what should I do about Bitcoin? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. And uh, people ask me, I'm like, I, I don't get it. So here's <clears throat> here's the type of stuff, Martin. That I don't get, okay? Yeah. I'm reading from the uh, the Wall Street Journal. This is from Patricia Kalsman and Caitlin Ostroff. If uh, either Patricia or Caitlin's parents are listening and I mispronounce those names, I'm very sorry. As someone whose name is mispronounced constantly, uh, I apologize. So they both write, and I'm sure they're excellent, phenomenal young journalists. They, uh, they write, the world's fastest growing major financial exchange has no head office or formal address, lacks licenses in countries where it operates, and has a chief executive who until recently wouldn't answer questions about his location. Started just four years ago, Binance, that's B-I-N-A-N-C-E, is the exchange giant that towers over the digital currency world a crypto equivalent of the London, New York, and Hong Kong stock exchanges combined. After a burst of growth, Binance processes more trades for cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin and Ether each day, $76 billion worth, than its four largest competitors put together, according to data provider CryptoCompare. The years of largely unfettered, unregulated growth for Binance in particular and the crypto industry broadly, however, are coming to an end. Financial regulators increasingly increasingly worry that digital assets, until recently dismissed by some as a fad, have grown so quickly that they are now systemically important. In an October speech, Bank, Bank of England official John Cunliffe brought up the 2008 subprime mortgage-fueled crisis and said of crypto, quote, when something in the financial system is growing very fast and growing in largely unregulated space, financial stability authorities have to sit up and take notice, end quote. Binance is drawing the most regulatory attention. Authorities in a dozen countries have cautioned users in recent months. The exchange is unregistered or not 
authorized to provide various services. The Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, is looking into how Binance conducts business in the U.S., where it has many state licenses, according to former executives. The SEC has asked for a list of information from Binance's U.S. affiliate, including how it relates to the global organization, according to one of the executives. Meanwhile, the Department of Justice is examining whether Binance has abetted money laundering, one former executive said. Bloomberg News previously reported the DOJ investigation. The SEC and the DOJ declined to comment. Just one one last paragraph. The American market presents a major test for the crypto exchange, which has indicated it hopes to take its U.S. arm public in a few years. A former financial regulator hired to build out Binance's American business called Binance U.S. resigned in August just three months into the job. First of all, that's excellent writing. Um, It's one of the reasons why I love the Wall Street Journal. That is phenomenal writing. It's really concise and done. And and so, Mark, before I just hand it to you, I'll tell you, as a uh, 51-year-old guy who reads this, I have two thoughts. One... Oh, gosh, if it's that much going on, I need to be a part of it because I'm missing out on something that could really grow my portfolio. And then on the other hand, and it's kind of like the devil and the angel on on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I go, whoa, unregulated. I mean, some of the words that get used here, uh, unregulated, um, you know, uh, what was the other one that popped out? We'll just go with it for right now. Completely, you know, the the the, the uh, not authorized to provide various services. Yep. Um, boy, you look at that and you go, okay, well, is it possible? And this is my question for you: Is it possible that people who are really into uh, cryptocurrency is it possible that they think they have a lot of money that they don't actually have? Uh, I mean, so. This, well, the short answer to that is if they're buying, so there are, let me, let me unlump cryptocurrency. So there are tons of different investment options in the cryptocurrency space. I mean, there are literally, there are, there are hundreds of coins that you can buy, sell, trade. So let's just talk about, let's kind of talk about the, the, the established ones. And then we'll talk about, you know, the, uh, they are lovingly referred to as shit coins. So I'm um, just going to just call them what they, what they are called. So the, the larger, more established, um, you know, options, like what you're accustomed to hearing Bitcoin, you know, Ethereum. Um, I'm just going to stop at, at those two, um, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum, because there's another, other some, and there's some stable coins and then there's like, you know, Litecoin. Those, there are some big ones that have, you know, track record, they've been around for a while. Uh, so, you know, those I'm, I'm not so worried about, you know, with my clients. And in fact, uh, right before our call, I was helping one of my clients establish a wallet. Um, and he is, he's retired and, um, and he's not putting, you know, a ton into it, but, um, he's like, Hey, you know, maybe this will be something that'll be good for, you know, my kids and my grandkids down the road. And, and he just, uh, he's just buying Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. That is, that's it. He's not trading. He's just, he's a long-term purchaser and holder and he's doing it, you know, he's putting in a little bit of money every two weeks. So it's kind of dollar cost averaging in. 
Uh, and he used an exchange called Coinbase. So Coinbase is a U.S.-based company. It's now publicly traded. Uh, it is governed by the SEC, overseen by the SEC. Now, the coins that are traded on the exchange, however, are decentralized. They are not governed by any government, you know, entity or, um, you know, or anything like that. And so, and I'll, I'll, and this is not me being a smart ass, but I'll put the question out there of like, who governs gold? Like what government in the world has the authority over physical gold or silver and says, Hey, we're setting the price here or, you know, we're making sure that, um, you know, that the gold is real or authentic. And I mean, I guess the short answer to your question is, as, as I mean, to my question, not your question, is I don't know. I don't know who governs gold. You know, is it the United States that has the authority over gold and the manufacturing or the mining of gold? Um, you know, is it China? Is it Africa? Is it, I don't know. I don't know who who does. And gold is almost in nature inherently decentralized, right? Because there's not, you know, the U S central bank governs the dollar. Um, you know, the bank of England, you know, governs, um, you know, the pound, the British pound, uh, the European union governs the Euro, the Japanese central bank governs, you know, the, um, the yuan or yeah, the yuan, whatever the Japanese currency is. And so, you know, in all those essences, you have, you have a government that has oversight into and has influence into the valuation of things, but physical gold, you, here's the difference. You can make stuff from it, right? You can make earrings, you can make rings, you can make, uh, necklaces, you can make teeth, you can make, uh, you know, hell, you can gold plate anything, right? And so the pe people say, hey, well, there's value in that because uh, I know that I could go, you know, take my gold necklace and exchange it for something. But that's only if there's someone that's willing to buy it, right? So if, if I came to you, Neil, and said, <clears throat> excuse me, if, my, if I said, hey, I want you to buy this gold chain from me, it's worth a thousand bucks. And you're like, dude, I'm not giving you a thousand bucks for that thing. I give you 200 bucks. What's the value of that necklace? If you sell it to me, 200 bucks. Yeah, 200 bucks. Even though I think it's a, you know, it's worth a thousand. So what, what kind of sets crypto up, um, and, and the US dollar is not too, too different, is just that there are enough, there's a large enough pool of people around the world that say, hey, um, you know, I'm willing to pay for this digital gold, this Bitcoin. And, um, you know, and here's the price I'm willing to pay. So the price gets set by you and me. Um, and then there's no government behind it that sets the price or even regulates the price. So, you know, to say that, you know, are these, or would people lose, you know, all of their money or do they have something that they really, are they, do they quote unquote own something they really don't own? I think in the bigger, the bigger coins, um, like Bitcoin and ether, which Ether is the coin for the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, I think there is some safety, you know, in there. And safety meaning that that you're not just going to wake up one day and someone's going to be like, ha, you know, I fooled you. This is a scheme and you gave me all your money and you're not going to have anything. Because there's a, there's a large enough group of people 
trading it. But do you remember, uh, I guess it was, I don't even know how many months, it may have been six months ago, um, how Dogecoin was like the, you know, everyone was talking about it. And, you know, Elon Musk was talking about Dogecoin and how it's the, you know, going to go to the moon. And, and then you, if you look at Doge now, Doge is down significantly from where it was, still has value, but now everyone's on this, you know, Shiba Inu, which is the, which is literally the dog that the Dogecoin was face was used. And now people are on this, you know, on this other coin, this Shiba Inu coin. And so in those cases, I think there are some opportunities for stuff to people to lose all of their money or wake up one day and, you know, it was like a pump and dump in a stock where, you know, someone pumped up the value of this stock that was really worthless for people to buy it. And then at the end of the day, they end up with something they can't sell because there's no buyer on the other side. And, uh, you know, and you, end, I think there will be people that end up getting, you know, getting hurt that way. And I mean, even there was some news recently about uh, the Squid Game coin. I never even, I didn't even know that existed, but apparently there were a bunch of people that bought us, you know, a squid game coin crypto. And, and it was, it was a pump and dump. It was, it was worthless, you know, and, and penny stocks. So those shit coins are very, um, remind me of, of like the, the old, the penny stock where there would be, you know, people would get a penny stock to go from, you know, five cents to 20 cents and they would promote it and get a bunch of people piling in going, Oh my gosh, look, this thing went up four times and I can buy a ton of it because it's only 20 cents. And then they get, you know, and then it goes up to 30 cents and 40 cents and people are like, Oh, I'm going to get rich on this thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, all of the original investors who pumped it up have sold all of their stock to the, you know, to the lemons or the lemmings, sorry. Uh, and the, and the lemmings are holding the, the stock. And now they're like, well, you know, I'm going to cash out some of it and there's no buyer. So then when there's no buyer, the price goes down, 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 down until someone, until it reaches a point where there is a buyer, which in some cases is never. And it goes to zero and it was a shell company. So that was a really long answer to your question. It was, but but it was a good answer. With, I, I learned with, yeah, I learned some things about that. Cool. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I was able to help a little bit there, but you know, with, with regards to Binance, so reputable companies, mm, let me take that word back, uh, established regulated companies in the U S that are going to hold your cryptocurrency for you. I'm comfortable with my clients, you know, um, using them. So, uh, backed the BAKKT spun out of the ice international continental exchange, you know, I would let, I would say, Hey, that's gonna, that's a, a quality company regulated by the sec. Fine to use them for a wallet. Coinbase regulated by the sec. Fine to use them for a wallet. I don't know anything about Binance. I don't know where they're, you know, and apparently neither does the wall street journal. <laughs> so uh, I would just say, if you're going to get into the, if you're going to dip your toe into crypto, um, be conservative you know, choose a company and Coinbase has been around for, uh, you know, since 2010, which is still a short period of time, but it's really, really old in the world, in the world of crypto. Um, you know, and security is important. So, you know, know who you do business with, with, 
with a, with a wallet like or an exchange like Coinbase. And then, um, you know, if you want to be a long-term investor, I think it's Bitcoin and, and, and Ethereum uh, for now. There's a whole bunch of other options, but those are pure speculation and gambling. So uh, I don't, and I don't have any opinions on speculation and gambling. It can be fun, but it's speculation and gambling. Yeah. It's one thing to gamble with like, like what I do. I mean, I take like a little bit of money. I'll tell you exactly how much for an entire year. I put $600 into an E-Trade account and I play with it. And if it's, when it's gone, it's gone. Which I mean, is, you can have fun with this stuff. Yeah. And I, yeah, but just don't do it in your long-term portfolio. Yeah, you just can't. You, yeah, that's my thing is you can gamble a little bit with a little bit, but if you're betting your entire retirement on stuff, that's what scares me is the people that are like, yep. oh, man, this – that's the reason for the question is – and, and I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that these people are crazy or wrong or anything, but there are people, and I've, I've seen them, who are like, yeah, man, I, I'm, I've got tens of millions of dollars – saved and, and you know you're like awesome congrats but it's like yeah it's 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 all in uh bitcoin and it's all in crypto and you're like Ugh, i don't know man yeah uh, i wouldn't do all of it i'm always um, i'm always back to that if if uh you know like things your mom told you that always ring true later even though it kind too of good to be true yeah you know if yep. you have something nice to say don't say anything at all that is a really good life strategy it's one that i failed at <laughs> it really is you but, know, and I mean, and but the other one dude, is if it's too good to go be ahead. true, it's too good to be true. If it's yep. too good to be true, it's not true. Part of my problem with with understanding crypto, if I'm honest, not all crypto, because you just explained there's differences. But when I hear the word, there's a part of me in the back of my mind that goes, "Boy, if it sounds too good to be true." Yeah, I mean, and, and, and not too different from the tech industry in the '90s, man. I mean, think about how many tech companies failed. In the nineties, they're no longer here. And so, but if you lumped everyone into, you know, the internet companies and you never invested in the quote unquote internet companies ever, you know, you missed out on some really, really great returns, you know, with Amazon, with Apple, with, uh, you know, with, with Google, uh, you know, even with Facebook and stuff like that. So it's, and that's, that's what I'll say. It's not everything is equal. So we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater with lumping crypto, you know, everything lumping everything into just crypto because there's really speculative stuff that's gambling. And then there's things that are um, less speculative, but still very <clears throat> volatile. And, you know, you can have huge, like Bitcoin, even just this year, January one, it was at 29,000 <clears> ran all the way up to 65,000 ran back down to 30. And now it's run all the way back up to, you know, to uh, 65, 66,000 today. So, I mean, in, in less than a year, it has doubled, halved and doubled again. You know, it's, it's volatile. It is it's that not, it's not where you put all your money. We have, uh, we've kind of hit the point where we probably need to stop. There's a lot to get to. I'm glad we got to do this. There's uh <laughs> there's, there's stuff that's out there today. I mean, some of the just headlines, we didn't even get a chance to touch on uh, high energy prices likely to mean less oil demand. Uh, yeah. Oil, Over time, yeah. Oil prices they come down. Oil prices put Biden in a bind. Yep. Uh, home, <clears throat> That's his own doing. It is. It is absolutely his own doing. Um, homes now typically sell in a week, forcing buyers to take risks. 
some things we probably ought to get to at some point here in the next uh, week or two as we get into the kind of the holiday season. Yeah, I mean, and dude, and, and I'll, real quick, I want to say it's like the whole Zillow thing fascinates me because I had a one of my mentors sold his house to Zillow at a premium price. And I don't know if you read into that, but they Zillow has just offloaded all of their, they were using a tech algorithm to buy houses and it has cost them significantly because they drove prices up so fast, uh, you know, in certain markets doing that. And then now they're, they are selling these houses, um, you know, at a loss. They're just trying to offload the portfolio. Craziness, man. Yeah, that is, that is, it's, it's a wild time, man. There's a lot going a, on. I mean, there's, you, you know, you got, you got all the stuff with the vaccine and, and, yep. and just, there's so much happening. There's a story here that I would love to get into, but we don't have time, but it's something to talk about later. It's one of my real pet peeves. South Africa is the headline. It says South Africa can't afford to quit coal. Will rich countries pay for the transition? It's one of my real pet peeves for the next 50 years. And I know I don't have 50 years left. My I don't kids, know how my, anyone is going to quit coal and petroleum, man. My kids, I mean, my I'm kids just saying do. it now. So. I, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. And my, yep, ki- my, my kids have 50 years left. It's, it's, this is insanity. The whole, yep. the whole, I mean, at the risk of pissing off a lot of people, 90 some odd percent, in my opinion, of the climate change stuff is an absolute farce. It's an absolute farce. Drives me insane. Yeah, we just don't have it. Uh, if if we do it, man, it's going to take fifty years. Oh, it's to, Martin, to it do it. It can't be done in fifty years. And 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 the, you're the, probably right. So many of the people who make these decisions are people who live in the smallest bubble. They have no idea what the real world is like. Like the drive that I was telling you about from Fayetteville to Oxford through some of the poorer parts of Arkansas and and Mississippi. Yeah. Those people who make these decisions, they've never made that drive. They've never made a drive like that drive. They have no idea what it is they're talking about. And they're talking about doing things in America that are going to cripple America. Meanwhile, China and India and, and countries are going to continue to do the exact same things that we're going to stop in the name of climate change, and they're going to own us. That's where this is headed. It's my opinion. People can fight back. I'm an open book. I bet I'm right. Hey, uh, before we go, Martin, tell the people how they can get in touch with you at Pinnacle. Yeah. um, Old-fashioned telephone, uh, still the same number, 601-957-0323. Uh, you can email us too at info at my p i n n wealth dot com. Uh, we've actually heard from a uh, uh, several listeners in the last couple of weeks, which is cool, man. Uh, that you know that th- that what we're doing, Neil, is you know is generating some people asking questions and going, "Hey, how can I how can I help myself and make myself better?" And you know, in retirement, so uh, man, it's it, it's working. Whatever we're doing, I like it, man. I love I love hearing stories of people going, "Hey, man, you guys said something that." that really struck a chord with me and I need to ask some questions. That's really cool. That is cool. That's the point of the show too. I hope we, yeah, inter- hope we entertain and also get you thinking. And so that you take care of yourself. Martin, Indeed. speaking of, uh, have a great weekend. Thanks to everybody too, out there for making us a part of your routine. We're going to try to make sure that we uh, get back into the routine. Just life happens, stuff happens, but, uh, we'll be back 
least that's the plan. Be back with you next Thursday for another edition of uh, Mind of My Money presented by Pinnacle. For Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Take care. Have a great weekend. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.